Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. So glad you're here. Very excited to spend this time with you today. If you would take your Bible, and we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be finishing up this series called Joy to the World. And uh, I, we were at a conference not too long ago. The staff and I were. And they had a comedian at the conference. And he was fantastic. And he was telling us about a time he was picking his daughter up from therapy. He's trying to be a good parent. You know, he's really trying to be you know, thoughtful about his children's emotions and things like that. So he picks his daughter up and she gets in the car and she said, she said, Daddy, did you go to therapy when you were a kid? He said, oh no, sweetheart. He said, I, I couldn't even tell my daddy I was thirsty. All right, that's how bad it was at my house. And it is so true in years past, Parents didn't give much thought to their kids' emotions and things like that. And when you were a kid, did your parents ever tell you what emotions you were supposed to have? You remember them saying things like this? When you're really upset, you're crying, they're like, they'd say, you're fine. You know, it was like, oh, good. Well, I thought I was in pain, but I guess I'm not, you know? Or you can get you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. You're thinking, what do my pants have to do with this? I don't understand. And then my favorite of all time was, you better get happy in a hurry. I'm going to give you something to cry about. And it's kind of like, you know, the beatings will commence and they will continue until morale improves. You know, that old poster you see sometimes here and there. Well, there are commands in the Bible where the Apostle Paul sounds sort of like an out-of-touch parent. And I want you to see this up on the screen. Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Does it ever seem like this is one of those places where the Bible's a little bit out of touch with reality? You know, how can we be commanded to be joyful at all times, to give thankful and be thank, be giving thanks all the time? And uh, and uh, how could God expect that of us? You know, is it unrealistic? You know, is it is it uh, un- unrighteous? So I want to talk to us today about the joy of our salvation. We're in Matthew chapter 2, and I just want you to kind of skim over Matthew chapter 2 with me. We're looking at the wise men here real briefly before we go somewhere else in our Bible, but they're an illustration of our spiritual lives. They're on a long journey. They're searching for someone. What are they doing? They're seeking a Savior, and the Bible says, first of all, they were led by creation. Look at verse 2. They said, we saw a star, and so we came out on this journey, and that's so true for all of us, by the way. We look at the creation. And we have questions. It causes us to question, like, how did all this get here? Where do I fit? What am I supposed to do with my life? Creation does that to us. But then after that, look at verse 4 and 5. They were led by inspiration. Then they were led by the Word of God. Because they get to Jerusalem and they said, hey, we're looking for the one who's been born king of the Jews. What do they do? They call together the scribes, the religious leaders. They open the Bible and they said, yeah, the prophet says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And that's true for all of us, too. Uh, you know, understanding creation only gets you so far, but then God's word comes to bear upon our lives and starts to answer our questions, the word of God. But then third, they're led by illumination. Look at verses 10 and 11. They saw the star again, and the star led them to Christ. And the Bible says they were filled with joy, and they came to the house where Jesus was, and they saw him, and they saw his mother Mary. And so this is so, so important. There was a supernatural light. There was a miracle that took place. And that light led them on their final steps to the Savior. And it's so true for all of us. The creation gets us started. The the, the Word of God kind of continues us. But there has to come a point in our life when the light comes on for us and God shows himself to us and his light penetrates the darkness of our heart and our soul. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, God has said light will shine. God had said light will shine out of darkness. And it is he who shined in our hearts. For the illumination of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus. That all ha- that happens for all of us, just like it did for the wise men. God illuminated Jesus. They were able to find what they were seeking. The search was over. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says they bowed down before Jesus and they worshiped him. And isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture there? And joy is the only appropriate response to this great salvation that God gives us. The Bible says the word, of, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's love for you is so tremendous that he took on flesh and became a human being. He willingly sacrificed his life to free you and me from our sins. He rose from the grave to awaken you and me to the hope of an eternal life. And then he promised he would come back to take you and me to where he is if we put our faith and our trust in him. It's a beautiful, compelling picture. So there's so much joy to be found in that. But where does the joy take us? Look at verse 12. I like the New Century version here. It says, God warned the wise men in a dream not to go back to Herod. This is so key. So they returned to their own country by a different way. A different way. They were different because they had been become worshipers of Jesus. And because they become worshipers of Jesus, now there's a new dynamic in their life. They are now being led by the Spirit of God. But Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, all who are led by God's Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. And so they, they went a different way than they had came. Why? Because they were different. This will always be the result of salvation, becoming a worshiper of Jesus. When we meet Jesus as our Savior, we are filled with God's Spirit, We cannot go the way we have always gone. We cannot take the paths that we have always taken. We are different, so we go different. And if we're being led by the Spirit of God, we will go a different way. But here's what I want you to think about this morning. What happens to someone who's the son or daughter of God, a worshiper of Jesus, who chooses not to be led by the Spirit of God, who chooses not to go a different way? What is the result when we live our lives the way that we always had before and we go the same way that we have always gone? I think the best illustration of this is from the life of David. If you would, take your Bible, turn to Psalm 51. Go into the middle of your Bible, Psalm 51. David was a man after God's own heart. And David saw the wife of one of his most loyal soldiers bathing on a rooftop. And this was the defining moment of his life. David, who loved God, he worshiped God, he wrote about God, he sang about God, but at this point in his life, he did not go a different way. He did what most men would do, like any other natural man would do, not a spiritual man, but a natural man. He used his power to satisfy his urges. And I won't go into the sordid details of the entire story, but I think almost all of us are familiar with the story. There was a pregnancy. There was an attempted cover-up. Eventually, he murdered her husband, trying to cover up his sin. And many months had passed. David was miserable because of this sin. He had not gone a different way. He wrote about it in Psalm 32. He says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I know this is going to sound a little bit like an oxymoron, but I want you to think about this. Joy is serious. Joy is serious. I don't know if you often put those two ideas together, but we really have to. You know, as our nation begins to drift from God, what is happening? We're losing our joy. 
And you're seeing this take place, especially among younger people. In Hosea chapter 7, the prophet said this, What sorrow awaits those who have deserted me? They do not cry out to me with their sincere heart. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail, and they turn away from me. Goodness. I don't know if you've heard of the dynamic called deaths of despair. Deaths of despair are deaths from suicide, drug overdoses, and alcoholism. And they are rising to levels in America no one ever thought possible. Life expectancy, listen to this, life expectancy in the United States has dropped two years in a row. While all other major developing countries, life expectancy is actually increasing. But in America, it's decreasing. Just this last week, nearly, it was a new research paper came out. Nearly 50,000 Americans took their own lives last year, a record number. And according to the researchers, that number is likely to grow when the data is finalized. So yeah, joy is serious. Joy is serious. Psalm 51, look at verses five through, sorry, four through 12. David wrote this after this terrible incident with that other woman. And he said this, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me. I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. David was broken. He wrote this powerful prayer pleading with God to forgive him of his sin, created him a pure heart to cleanse him. And you notice what he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's there in verse number 12. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a home. I, my, my parents, they were, they were really sweet people, but you know, we didn't know the Lord for the first 13 years of my life. And so in our home, there was a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of arguing going on all the time. And there was one thing, we were not a very happy family, but our family always had joy. You're like, what do you mean? My, my parents would argue, my sister and I would fight. The joy I'm talking about was my mom's favorite dishwashing liquid. It was called joy, all right? And this was really, really popular back in the day. This was mom's go-to right here. It was joy. And uh, it came out in 1949. I don't know exactly why they chose to call a dishwashing liquid joy, but for a long time, for a generation, this was the number one soap in America. The number one cleanser in America was called joy. And I don't know if they knew this or not, but if you read your Bible, there is an inextricable, inextricable uh, link between cleanliness and joy. All right? There really is. Now, David did not lose his salvation, but he was living a quality of life as if, he, as if he didn't know the Lord at all. And his lust for outward pleasure had taken away his inner joy. 
And I want you to think about this today. As a Christian, if, you're, if you know the Lord as your Savior today, you have two standings with God. Number one, Christians have a right standing with God. When we put our faith in Christ, we're given what's called a right standing. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter three, you cannot lose your salvation. You're saved by grace alone and you're cleansed of every sin and you're at peace with God. Why? Because you are pure before God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter one that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. That's part of the joy of our salvation. And so how can we lose the joy of our salvation? It's because of the second standing we all have. We have a right standing with God, but we also have a relational standing with God. And this is what David has abused. The man after God's own heart has grieved the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter four, do not bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way that you live. Look at verse 11 in Psalm 51, where David says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Why is that so critical? David wrote in Psalm 16, he said, in your presence is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, when there's unhindered presence of God, there's a fullness of joy In our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, is joy. The Spirit of God produces joy in the heart of every believer. And if there's unrepentant sin in our lives, it's a sign that we would rather be with our sin than with our Savior. Look at verse 7 where David says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me. I will be whiter than snow. He's pleading with Almighty God, make me clean, make me pure again. The soul polluting power of sin is what can rob you and me of the joy of our salvation. And if you're like me, I can identify with David. I really can. Because there have been times in my life that I lost the joy of my salvation. There are times in my life that sin crippled me so much I couldn't think right, I couldn't talk right, I couldn't feel right. And the fact of it is that unrepentant sin, it hardens your heart, it hinders your prayers, it harasses your thoughts, and it handicaps your emotions. How? It robs you of joy, the joy of your salvation. You know, Michael and I were talking just a few weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about there are so many scandals right now in churches in politics, people claiming to be Christian, but their lives are so sinful, so impure, so unclean. You're like, well, Les, this is 2023. You can't say unclean. Yes, I can. It's in the Bible. Their lives are so unclean. And we both kind of asked this question, when did holiness disappear from America's mainstream Christianity? You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul told Timothy, Show those who believe how they should live. You know, Timothy, you're a pastor. You're a leader. Show people how they should live. Show them by the way you talk, by the way you live. Show them how to live a clean life by the way you live a clean life. He's like, that's right, Les. You should do that. No, we all should be doing this. We should all aspire to this. What is your vision for your life in this area, this area of purity before God? You know, to, to be a person who's, whose sins are confessed up, 
whose sins are cleansed. Look at verse 10. David says, create in me a pure heart. Oh, God. He's pleading with God, purify me. And he says, sin has started in my heart. In my heart. He knows that his outward actions are the result of his inward attitude. And you might be surprised to hear this. When you and I sin, it's not an action. Sin is not an action. Sin is a reaction. It's a reaction to the stresses and seductions of life in this world. David sinned, and he lost his joy. Why? Because of his reaction to what he saw in Bathsheba. One time after another, following this, David just reacted the wrong way to the stress that the seduction caused him, and he just completely wrecked his life. He caused all sorts of people enormous pain, and it wrecked and ruined his family. James chapter 1, James says, Each person is tempted when their evil desire lures them away and traps them. You might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but I know I'm supposed to be joyful always and have the joy of my salvation, but what if my friend betrays me? That can't take away the joy of your salvation. Your reaction to your friend's betrayal, that can take away the joy of your salvation. You might say, what if my son or daughter rebels against me? That can't take away the joy of your salvation. Your reaction to your son or daughter, that can take away the joy of your salvation. What if they pass over me at work and give the job I want to someone else? That can't take away the joy of your salvation. Your reaction to that can take away the joy of your salvation. But that can't. Look at verse 6. David says, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. If you want to see truth, the truth about someone, you don't watch their actions. You watch their reactions. You see, what you see in me right now, these are my actions. You're watching me. I'm watching you too, by the way. Okay, I just want you all to know that. But my actions don't tell you the truth about me. Today, everything is well-planned and well-prepared. You know, Michael and the rest of the staff, we get together on Tuesdays, Mondays and Tuesdays, and we plan every minute of our service. You know, we, give some, we have some give and take here and there, and we try to let the Spirit move, but we want to make sure we have a good plan. And I got up this morning, I took a shower, made myself smell nice, put on a clean shirt, took the tag off the dry cleaner tag, took it off. All right, this is all very, very well planned. And what you're seeing right now, my actions are very well planned. But to see the truth about me, The truth in the inner parts, you have to see my reactions to the stresses and seductions of life. Back when I was about uh, 18, 19 years old, uh, we had just moved to Victoria, Texas, and we had started going to a church there. And a pastor had just come in, and he came in with great fanfare. His name was Jim. And the church felt so lucky to have this guy. Uh, Jim was a great-looking guy. I mean, he really was. I mean, perfect hair every Sunday, and real fit and trim, real tan. And what I remember about him, what always impressed me when I was that age was, and he wore a double-breasted suit with a beautiful tie every Sunday, man. He looked great, man. His hair was perfect. He kind of had that Jimmy Johnson hair, you know what I'm talking about? And man, it looked just so perfect every, every Sunday. Well, one Sunday night, this is back when we still had Sunday night services, we're sitting there, and a woman had a baby, uh, and she was there by herself. Her husband wasn't there. 
And a woman had a baby who started crying in church. And she started gathering up her things as fast as she could, but the baby was crying. And she was in the process of leaving the auditorium, and Jim stopped preaching. And he called her out in front of the entire church for allowing her baby's crying to be a distraction to all the rest of us who were trying to hear the word of God, quote unquote. It was really awkward. And I remember a bunch, of, a bunch of my friends and I were standing around after the service. And like I said, I'm only 18 or 19 years old, but we all kind of said, man, something's not right about that. Something's weird about that. I didn't appreciate that at all. Several months later, see, Jim had asked the deacons of the church, the Baptist church, for a really super private office where he could really get along with God and really study. You know, some real silence and solitude. And so in some, in some faraway corner of the church, the big church, some faraway corner, they let him set up this little office. Months later, he was away on vacation, a few months after that baby incident. And he had asked our worship pastor, his name was Mickey, to fill the pulpit. So Mickey went into that office. He was looking for a book that he needed. And he didn't find the book that he was looking for. But he did, have, he did find a stash of videotapes and a VCR, the kind of tapes that no man should ever look at. And so Mickey went to some of the deacons. He said, man, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. This is what I found. And they called Jim. They said, we want you to get home right away. And he came home from his vacation early, met with the deacons. He denied every bit of it. And he said somehow, like, maybe Mickey planted them or somebody planted it or something like that. And Mickey had an, a, just a, an incredible reputation at the church. He's a man of integrity. He had been there for years. He was accusing Mickey of being a liar And finally, after days and days of putting the church through so much stress, he had nobody left on his side. He finally admitted his sin and he left humiliated. You see, you can plan your actions, create an image, but your reactions reveal the truth of your inner parts. See, Jim was not what he appeared to be. There wasn't truth in the inner parts. And there may be someone here today And I just want to ask you, is there something in your life that is a threat to your life? You know, 2023 has been a really painful year for me because there have been more than one person in my life who had something in their life that was stealing their joy. There was an unconfessed, unrepentant sin in their life, and it just wrecked their life, and it wrecked the lives of people that I love. You know something's a threat if it's a threat to your marriage because If your husband or your wife finds out, they're going to leave. It could be a threat to your career because if your employer finds out, you're going to be fired. It could be a threat to your freedom because it's illegal, and if the authorities find out, you're going to go to jail. And I just want you to see this today. If you have something in in your life like that, by every possible means, go a different way. Go a different way. Don't handle it the way everybody else handles it. Don't handle it the way you've always handled it before. Don't try to battle it on your own. David tried to fix this on his own, and he couldn't do it. He wasn't strong enough. An enormous pain followed for years after. Go get professional counseling if you need to. By all means necessary, go a different way. Jim didn't do that, and it cost him his ministry his family, it cost him everything. And I want you to see this before we go today. You see, when there's nothing between your soul and your Savior, 
there's going to be joy in your heart. All right? I, just, I, want, I want us to end with that. When there's nothing between your soul and your Savior, there will be joy in your heart. This is why David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's nobody more miserable than a Christian who's trying to live an impure, unclean life. When you confess your sins, keep your heart and life clean before God, when holiness and purity is a priority for you, that is when you experience the joy of your salvation. And it can't be taken away. And you can be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances. And so I want us to end on this today. Psalm 32, David said this. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And so rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him, and shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. Lord, I just want to come before you today. Just thank you so much for such a great salvation, Lord Jesus, that because of your sacrifice, because of your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection, we can be clean. We can be pure. And in that cleanliness and in that purity, Lord, there is joy. And I just want to thank you for that today. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that for all of us here today, Lord, that purity would be a priority in 2024 that we might have the joy of your salvation, that the joy of your salvation might be our strength in 2024. And so, Jesus, I just ask that here today. And, Lord, if there might be somebody here today who needs more than just struggling on their own, Lord, I pray that you would just lead them to that place, Father, where they could do everything possible to go a different way. Lord, give them the grace, give them the strength, give them the wisdom to go a different way. So, Lord, we love you today. Thank you so much. Amen.